Hey everyone, welcome to the Gate Alliance Church. We're so glad you could join us for this week's podcast. If you have any questions or want to learn how you can be more engaged in our church, check us out online at thegatechurch.ca. Thanks for listening and enjoy this week's podcast. So the prophet Elijah just shows up. In 1 Kings chapter 17, we've, we've never heard of him before. He doesn't come with a, a resume of accomplishments and tasks, which would cause us to stop and, and take notice of who this man is. In 1 Kings 17, 1, it simply says this, Now Elijah, who was from Tishbe in Gilead. All, all we really know about this prophet up to this point is he comes from some obscure place called Tishbe. Now, what's important about Tishbe? Nothing. <laughs> Elijah comes from some insignificant, unimpressive, unremarkable place, but he is a prophet, which is very significant. And here is why. Whenever a prophet shows up in the Bible, there's usually some disturbing disobedience taking a place among God's people. Pe- prophets usually show up when there's a breakdown spiritually among the people. At these times, God will send a man, a prophet, to go and speak something, speak truth and correction to the to his people because they need this. They, they need to hear his word. You see, when a prophet shows up on the scene, it means the problem is very serious because if the people, the people are just like one step away from hearing God directly. So they better heed and take notice of the message of the prophet lest they want to deal with God directly. So the prophet is like this, this guy who stands between God himself and the people. And it's an opportunity for the people. It's a last chance, a final warning for them to put their lives, get it in order in the right perspective before God, unless God wants to address the issue himself. So in many ways, the role of the prophet in the Bible is much like the role of, of the preacher today and of the church today. The role of the preacher in the church is to proclaim the good news of God and to warn people about the real consequences of disobedience. If you don't want to hear and, and listen to God through his representative, then you may find yourself where you need to hear from God himself. And if you get to that point and you're not following him, it will not be good. So if we back up a chapter, that's chapter 17, Elijah from Tishbe. We back up to the chapter before that and chapter 16. We, we find out why God is sending Elijah to the people. We read this. But Ahab, that's the king, son of Omri, did what was evil in the Lord's sight, even more than any other kings before him. And as though this were not enough to follow the sinful example of Jeroboam. He married Jezebel, the daughter of King Ethbel of the Sidonians, and began to bow down and worship a Baal. That's a false god. That's an idol. First, Ahab built a temple and an altar for Baal in Samaria. Then he set up an Asherah pole. He did more to provoke the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, than any of the other kings of Israel before him. The situation which caused God to send his prophet to these people was the problem of idolatry. The people worshiped other things and other objects besides the true God. And as a kid, I remember, you know, I I remember listening, hearing these stories in Sunday school and and learning about how people, you know, kept immersing themselves in idols in the New Old Testament. I remember thinking to myself, I will never have a problem with idolatry in my life. 
How little did I know then? Because I thought, you know, I equated idols with, you know, the, the things we read about in this passage. I thought of them as these statues that and poles and altars, which people would bow down and worship to. And I said, Mark, you're never going to bow down to an idol. You're not going to go out and get some stone or some wood and shape it into some kind of weird looking guy and bow down to it to worship. What I didn't know then and what I know now about idolatry is this. Idolatry isn't limited to statues. What I know now is anything made by God, which you treat like God, is idolatry. Anything made by God, which you treat like God, is idolatry. It is when we worship the created instead of the creator. So while we may not form a statue and bow down to it, we can worship things like people, for example. Right. We will abandon God because we value our relationship with a person in our life more than he. I can't I can't tell you how many times I've seen a believer compromise their position and standpoint with God for the love of an unbeliever. The Bible is clear in this. Like we we, second Corinthians 614. Do not be joined together with those who do not belong to Christ. Do not be joined together with those who do not belong to Christ. How can that which is good Get along with that which is bad. How can light be in the same place with darkness? It doesn't say hate these people. It doesn't say you snub these people. We we are to love even our enemy, the Bible says. But it does say do not be joined together with those who do not belong to Christ. How many times, you know, someone comes and says, oh, but he's such a nice guy. I'm sure he is. Oh, I think God brought us together. No, he didn't, because God would not contradict himself with what he says in his word here in 2 Corinthians 6, 14. Understand, God will not say one thing in his word and tell you something else. So he did not bring you together. When you hold a relationship with a person as being more sacred than your relationship with God, then that person becomes an idol in your life. And I've seen that happen. I've seen people worship that relationship and that person to the point where God was pushed away. I've seen so much heartache with people ignoring this one simple, clear piece of instruction from the scripture. You know, it is common not just to worship people, but people will worship creation itself, the sun, the ocean, the stars and and gems and stones and rocks. And uh, they become objects of worship for a lot of people. And some people worship money. Obviously, that's a big that's a big idol in our life. Some people will uh, worship sex or animals or exercise or business or career or even religion. They offer and give more of their adoration to these things than they do to God and his instructions. So the question we would ask is a tough question. Are there any idolaters in the house today? Are, are there any who would be among us who would give more adoration, more devotion, more of our worship, more of our loyalty to something made by God instead of God himself? You know you're making someone or something an idol in your life. When you will compromise, when you will ignore biblical principles and teaching and values to get the thing you want. You know something becomes an idol because you will abandon, ignore, and compromise on biblical teaching to get what you want. I like to ask the people the the question, what matters most? Uh, you know, I, I think it really gets to the heart of, of what you're about. What matters most to you? And their answer will reveal 
what they value above all things. The wonderful irony is Jesus tells us in Matthew 6.33, when we choose to value and seek God first in our life, when he matters most, not just in our words, but in our actions, he takes care of everything else which matters to us and which we feel important. He has a plan for everything else in your life, but it always begins with him being God, him which matters most. He does not want to share this title with anything or anyone else in your life. When we don't give God his proper place in our life, God will often send a messenger to get our attention, to tell us what we're doing is not right. And this is what happened to King Ahab and the people. And we go back to chapter 17, verse 1, where we already read now Elijah, who was from Tishbe and Gilead. And it goes on to say, told King Ahab, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. So Elijah comes with a message from the Lord. He comes with a message to, to say, to get your attention, to remind you who is God. And God is going to cause the rain to stop for a few years. And the rain will not return until God gives the word. So you see, your idols are powerless. Thank the Lord for these kind of warnings and these kind of messages, for they give us the opportunity to set our life into proper perspective. When we get off track, when we begin to compromising, um, God will often allow or cause trials to come so we can understand where we stand. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, that old pastor, said, trials teach us what we are. They dig up the soil and let us see what we are made of. God just doesn't want to warn us. He wants to give us the opportunity to make the right decision. And often it's not until suffering or trials come, are we ready to, to put our life into the right perspective. We all have that opportunity. In Elijah's day, we're going to see that this opportunity was called in a showdown at Mount Carmel. It's here where the people are given the choice, given the opportunity to repent, that is to change the focus and the direction of their life, to repent and, and to choose who will they serve, God or Baal. So in verse 19, we read, so now call together all Israel. This is Elijah talking to King Ahab. So now call together all Israel to me at Mount Carmel and gather together 450 men who speak for Baal and 400 men who speak for the false goddess Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. See, there's going to be a showdown between the true God and the false gods on Mount Carmel. The time for debate is over. You would think that the years of drought would have convinced people to repent and turn to God, but it didn't. Now, crisis is an opportunity. Many of us will take that opportunity to get our life right back right before God. But crisis is an opportunity. But, you know, sometimes crisis, decision-making crisis don't last. We get a health scare, make promises to God to follow him, and, and we don't. We, 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 we peter out. Terrorists fly planes into buildings on September 11th, and the next Sunday churches are full. But these decisions made at a time of crisis are usually short-lived. People, one of my mentors kept pounding into me, people will revert back to their old practices. People will revert back to their old religious practices, whether it's following God or not following God or legalism or liberalism, whatever that might be. Mark Chaves of Duke University writes about the effect of 9-11 on church attendance. He said, people thought this type of crisis of national significance would lead people to be more religious. And it did, he says. But 
it was very short-lived. There was a blip in church attendance, and then it went back to normal. We make decisions in the time of crisis, but they seldom last. That's why, you know, discipleship is so important for us as a church. To disciple someone is to walk with them beyond the, the crisis moments of, of accepting Christ in their life and to equip them and help them to follow Jesus all the days of their lives. Because we need that. We need that encouragement and that accountability and the help. And that's why we're trying to set up tools to disciple people here at the gate. It's not enough just for me to, for us to get up and preach a sermon and, or lead someone to Christ on a hospital bed and say, well, I hope you figure the rest out. You know, I'll see you. Good luck with that. The prayer room that we now have is the purpose. And we get that going is, is that when after, let's say, a Sunday morning and um, someone has been, uh, you know, has, has made a decision for Christ or, or they need prayer, we will have people in place and a place, that room in place to come and to follow up and disciple them and a decision or a need that they have. It's so important to follow up in the crisis moment. The way, for example, I mean, that's, that's why we're doing this. The purpose of the way that, that, that life group that some of you have been involved in is to equip to disciple other people. Uh, Jesus said, go make disciples. And we want to help you do that if you're wanting to honor and, and, and obey that commandment uh, of Jesus. But we know following Jesus requires a cost, right? It's easy to say, yes, I want to make disciples. Yes, we should make disciples. This is what, you know, we call being orthodox. Remember, remember, orthodoxy is right belief. That's a right belief. I need to make disciples. In this case, right belief is saying, I believe making disciples is important. It's easy to be orthodox. We say it. Discipleship is important. The challenge is in the, what? Remember, orthopraxy which means right practice. It's actually doing what we say we believe. And that's where the challenge comes in because there's often a cost to orthopraxy. It's easy to say, I believe, but then there's this challenge and this cost to follow through and do what I say I believe. There's a sacrifice one is needing need to make in the orthopraxy. For example, the way all of us could say, I value discipling others in Christ. We say it. We, we have a right belief. We are orthodox. So I will, I will take this, this, the way as a, as a course. But, <laughs> but are we willing to not just say it, but, but to the point where we're going to set aside the time and the, and, and sacrifice my energy and doing the orthopraxy, the homework, which is required for me to better equip someone else in the way. To disciple someone. See, that's, that's what we're talking about. It's, it, it's, you know, it's, it's, we can say something, but it's the challenge, the cost is in doing it. The prayer room, we say we believe in prayer and, and, you know, and, and I'm, but am I available to, to lead others in prayer? That's, that's the question we're asking. Not just what do you say you believe, but are you willing to follow through? I know I believe God blesses, but do I trust him with my, with his tithe? I believe God equips people with spiritual gifts, but am I willing to use mine? There's a cost to say what we believe. And Morgan hit the nail on the head last Sunday. It's easy to say, I will follow Jesus until we discover there's a cost to following Jesus. Now, this is not an easy message to preach for a preacher. People like shooting messengers, right? But it'd be easier to say, just keep believing Jesus, come to church, and everything will be fine on the day you meet him face to face. But do you know what Jesus said in Matthew 7? This is, this is why we, we preach the message we preach. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. 
listen to this, only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. Do you hear what Jesus is saying? It's not those who have orthodoxy. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord. It's those that practice, that have the orthopraxy, those who actually do the will of my Lord. So Elijah says, now summon all of Israel to join me at Mount Carmel. Right? Get everybody here. And so King Ahab did that. He summoned all the people and the prophets to Mount Carmel. Next, we read one of these. Oh, I love these these places in the Bible. These watershed moments where people are challenged and implored to choose orthopraxy, to follow through and, 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 and serve who they say is God. One day, you know, Joshua did this back in his day. He, he gathers all the people together and he says this. So fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. That is respect him, value him, worship him, put away forever the idols your ancestors worship when you live beyond the Euphrates River in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in the land you now live? I love this. But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. You see what Joshua is saying here? You see, he's talking about serving. Who are you going to worship? Who are you going to follow? So serve him, it says. Uh, it says, you know, but if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose the day whom you will serve. You know, serve God. But as for me and my family, we will serve God. Jesus once said, you know, anyone who isn't with me opposes me. And anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. So we're starting to get the idea that there is God and then there's everything and anything else. There is God and everything God created from money to people to oceans. Who will you serve? Who will you worship? Who will you follow? Not just with your words, but with your very life. Who gets your attention? Who gets your care, your time, your treasure? What matters most to you, really? You know, if I only had 10 scripture verses to take with me, for the rest of my life. If someone said, Mark, you're going to go away and I'll permit you to carry uh, 10 pieces of written scripture verses. First um, Kings 21, 18-21 would be one of those verses. That's so powerful. It is so revealing. It demands an answer to the greatest question of all time. Elijah stands before Ahab and the people on Mount Carmel and he says these words. Then Elijah stood in front of them and said, how much longer will you waver? Hobbling between two opinions. If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. You see, choice is something we all have. No one chooses for us. We can be influenced. We can be threatened. But no one can actually hijack our choice. You know, today we made little choices already. Like we do this every day, all day. You, you chose to get out of bed. That was a good start. You made a choice about what you would eat for breakfast and what you would drink. You made a choice about what we'd wear today. You made a choice to, to come to, uh, you know, to set a time aside to watch this video. Great choice today that you made. But then there's this life choice, which matters. 
which for forever set the direction of your life here on earth and into eternity. It is a choice that we are not to make just with our words, not just in theory, but a choice where I actually put into practice what I say I believe, even when there's a cost to do so. So Elijah came near all the people and said, how long will you be divided between two ways of thinking? If, if, if the Lord is God, follow him. If it is Baal, if that's God, then follow him. Notice the people's response. We read, but the people did not answer him a word. They, they didn't want to commit. They're hoping they can have it both ways. They want God to bless them. They want the blessings of God, but they want to live their life making the choices of what they would love to uh, have and do instead of what God is saying is needed in life. And a lot of what they're choosing is not healthy. I mean, it's not leading to good, uh, to good lifestyles. The people thought, you know, if by being neutral, they could remain uncommitted. I can have both ways. But that's not the case. There was a man from the St. Catharines area who died last year who wrote lyrics and played drums for one of my favorite bands. His name is Neil Peart, so you'll probably know who I'm talking about. He wrote a song called Free Will, and he said, if you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice. That's so true. By not choosing, the people here are choosing, and the choice is not for God. As hard as we may look for neutral ground when it comes to following God, there is no neutral ground. There's no middle space. Jesus said, no one can serve two masters, for you'll hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. And I see it all the time. People say, yes, I, I believe in God. I love God. But they're not serving him. Time, their treasure, their action, their all of that will dictate, will tell us that this is not actually what they say. <laughs> They're doing, saying one thing, but living another way. Elijah says to the people, you got to choose. People say nothing, but in doing something, saying nothing, they're making a choice. And verse 21 is so powerful. It is a question we need to ask ourselves all the time. How long will you be divided between two ways of thinking if there are, if we're in that position? Because Elijah is not asking pagan people here. He's asking God's own people who know. The Israelites, they're, they're trying to live a double life. And Elijah saying, you can't do that. I know you want to. I know you think you are, but you're not. As much as you want to, you can't serve both God and Baal. So if the Lord is God, follow him. Give it everything all this way. But if Baal, then abandon God and follow him. Elijah's words find us still out today. For there may be some even here listening that say, I believe Jesus. I want what Jesus offers. I want all these things that Jesus has. But there are these areas in my, in my life called sin that I'm not willing to give up and repent and change. I want both. But see, there's no room for both. By allowing sin, you've made your choice, even as much as you want God. And so you need to ask for forgiveness. You need to repent. You need to change and say, God, I want to follow you. Help me. And he knows your heart. He knows if you mean this. Is this just talk or is this not? You know my heart, God. You can see my motivation. My desire is to know and to follow you all the days of my life. So God will, will send his messenger. And it will be a tough message that prophets and preachers give sometimes. But it's because God loves you so much. He does want the best for you. He's able to give the best for you. So he will get in your face and say, listen, the way you're living is not going to end well. You need to choose today so you can, you can experience the riches and blessings of my inheritance in heaven. Now, I'm preaching this message today 
because of one young little 12 year old boy who was 11 at the time, actually. I was at a, a, a gathering, birthday, ga- birthday gathering outside, and, and he asked if I would preach a sermon on Mount Carmel, on Elijah Mount Carmel. And this young boy, his name's Christian, is being baptized today um, in our morning service. And I thought, this is the day I'm going to preach the message, the message that Christian asked me to speak. And it's so, it's so fitting that when a day of baptism, when we publicly declare our desire to follow God, that I preach the message he asked me to preach on Mount Carmel. But he asked, could it be a children's sermon? And I, you know, I, I don't know how to do children's sermons, but I thought I'll end the message this way. Cause I think the part that he got most excited about was the next part where the showdown happened between Baal and God, between Elijah and, and Ahab and his people. And so I thought, well, if I can't preach a good children's message, maybe I can show you uh, a good video, a children's video, of what happens next in the message. So watch this. The Bible tells stories about prophets. A prophet is someone who shares God's message with his people. They remind people to follow and obey God. One of the most famous prophets was a man named Elijah. Elijah was courageous and bold. There was an evil king named Ahab who wanted people to worship an idol named Baal instead of God. Elijah knew this was wrong. So he invited the king and everyone who worshipped Baal to the top of Mount Carmel. Elijah said, How long are you going to worship this false idol and ignore God? No one answered him. So Elijah set up a challenge, a contest, to see who could actually answer prayers, Baal or God. They built two altars, one for Baal and one for God. Elijah set some ground rules. We'll put wood and a bull on the altars and pray for a fire to start. Now, there are only 450 of you and only one of me. Well, we'll see who actually gets a response. So the men who followed Baal prayed for flames. They yelled at the sky all morning. They jumped. They danced. But by noon, no fire had started. I guess Baal must be sleeping. Or maybe he's just in the bathroom. This made them yell louder and louder until sunset. But still, no fire appeared on the altar. When it was clear that their prayers were unheard and unanswered by Baal, Elijah said, Come closer. Watch this. Elijah surrounded the altar he built for God with 12 stones. He dug a trench around it. Then he did something truly courageous. Because he believed in God's promise to answer prayer, Elijah poured water all over the altar. Four full jugs of water. Then he did it again and again and again until the wood was soaked and the trench was filled with water. Then Elijah prayed. He asked God to show everyone his power. And God did. God's fire fell. It not only burnt up all the wet wood and bull, but also the stones and the dust and dried up all the water in the trench. God made fire destroy everything to answer Elijah's bold prayer. When all the people saw this, they immediately worshipped God. Elijah had the courage to pray big prayers because he knew God would keep his promises. God wants us to pray like that because we can count on him too. What a fantastic story. I mean, such a powerful story. God, you know, often will allow or use calamity in our life 
to get our attention, whether in Elijah's day it was stopping rain, maybe today it's COVID, maybe God is saying, you know what, I want to understand how fragile life really is. And as much as you think that you keep making decisions and you have this life, that it can be gone like that. That things change, not just in Canada, but throughout the world, just by some little, some little thing called COVID. Understand today that you need to get your life in proper perspective, knowing the fragility of life. If, if, you know, if the world is God, then keep following it. Keep following it. But if God is God, please repent, turn, change. Uh, thank you, Christian, for you know reminding me of this truth today, of uh, this message from Elijah. I hope that um, in my prayer is that if you understand that you've been trying to serve two gods, that you will make the decision to say, today, no God, it's, it's, it's you. I know there's things in my life that I got to give up. Help me with this. Help me with this sin that I have such, I mean, just it's like I'm in a rut. It's habitual. And in Hebrews, it talks about we need to cast that away because it does cause us to stumble. We're trying to run the race for God. So God will help you with that. We will help you with that. Um, we're all in the same boat. You're not unique. It's not just you who struggle that way. But God knows your heart. And if you say, God, please help me. I want to follow you. This is my desire. God will hear that and honor that. And we want to help you with that. That's why we have church. That's why we come together. Because we are here to, to encourage one another, be accountable for one another, learn together in life groups, disciple one another. We can't just do it on our own. So I pray today. Let me pray for you today. Lord, wow, this is a powerful story. I mean, it's, it's tough, but God is so needed because you know that you will find us, many of us, trying to live a double life where we so easily talk about you, but we don't live for you. And we kind of say, yeah, we, we want to follow you, but then we kind of have our own guidelines for our own life in relationships and our treasures and our time. Uh, Father, we want to be leaders of our families. We want to be examples, Lord, and, and a double life does not help that. It does not help us, God. So I pray that if we need to be, we would recognize that we would confess the sin that we have, that we'd be willing to repent and turn from that and and, and publicly declaim, as, as those are doing in baptism today, publicly proclaim that you are God and we want to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We make these messages available to give you a window into our church, but also an open gate for you to join in with our community. Our Sunday service is at 10 a.m., and we look forward to seeing you soon. And know that there is a place for you at The Gate. Please remember to visit thegatechurch.ca for more information about our church.